Go, you brute! Get out, old woman, if you know what's good for you. He's dead. Dead? It's no more than he deserved. He was a demented beast. Mummy! Don't worry, dear. I know what you're thinking. And I have a plan to get rid of the body. Mummy, you can't possibly, not by yourself. I'll get help. But where? In the village? No, not the village. London. You just leave it to me, Teresa. There's a company in the West End that will unwittingly come to my aid. Assignments Unlimited, they call themselves. And they have an office at 33 Half Moon Street. Killers killed twice. Theresa Landon had a frank, open face, a friendly smile, and an altogether engaging personality. It was a cheerful face, tanned by the sun and framed with a magnificent crop of corn-coloured hair that sparkled like a shampoo ad. I somehow knew that what she was telling me was untrue. I discovered that one must be by nature dishonest or an actor to be a competent liar. But, fabrication or not, she told her story well. All I want, Mr. Mason, is a man to escort me on a balloon trip. Oh, I thought they'd abandoned the idea of dirigibles. Oh, no. Not one of those things. An ordinary balloon. Well, I'm afraid, Miss Mandon, I've, I'm only acquainted with the party kind. But surely you've seen pictures of man balloons, at least. Oh, you mean the sort of thing Phineas Fogg went around the world in 80 Daisy? Yes, that's right. Do you mean to tell me people still sail in those things? Oh, rather. It's an international sport and terrific fun. You should try it yourself one day, Mr. Mason. Well, in the course of duty, I'd do it, Miss Mandon, but, well, for sheer pleasure. No, thank you. I wouldn't feel at all safe in one of those things. Well, unfortunately, that's how most people feel. And, uh, well, that's really the reason I've come to see you. My mother usually accompanies me on long trips, but this time she's tied up. Mummy's a doctor of science, Mr. Mason, and she has an important meeting in Manchester tomorrow that she can't miss. So, if you can produce a man who's not scared to come aloft with me, I'll be most obliged. Oh, I'm sure we can find somebody, Miss Mandon. You just leave it to me. Oh, I'm surprised you can't find a young man in the village willing to chance his arm. His prize might be more than just an air trip. <laughs> well, I'm not interested in men, Mr. Mason. <laughs> They're not interested in me. <laughs> you know best. I'll send a studious type along with you, if that's all right. A man who'll be interested in the aerophysics of it only. <laughs> that would be perfect. Is he here now? Unfortunately not. I'll have to send for him. But he'll be ready for you within the hour. His name's Marmaduke Bray. We all call him Marmy for short. Oh. Where is your farm, Miss Mandon? Uh, Bishop Stortford. Do you know it? Oh, I know it well. On the Harford Road. Yes. Well, then, I'll come back in an hour. You, uh, you won't let me down, will you? Our reputation is your guarantee, one might say. Oh, thank you. That's a load off my mind. Goodbye, Mr. Mason. Goodbye, Miss Mandon. Uh, is Mommy there? Well, he's not only here, Mr. Mason. He's been listening on the intercom to your interview with a client. Is that so? Well, send him in. I'm on my way, Chief. Are you still listening in? It's a compulsion, Chief. I'm a sort of 20th century peeping top. Ah. 
I smell a mystery. Well, if you want to smell your salary at the end of the month, stay off my intercom. Check. Check. Now what are you doing? Uh, Penny Fairweather wanted to hear what goes on. Oh, I give up. So, what's the mystery? You said it would take an hour to get hold of me when all the time you knew I was in the outer office. I just don't believe her story, that's all. She wasn't a very convincing liar. And I couldn't see her face. What's it all about, do you think? A companion on an aerial balloon trip. Well, you must admit, it's the sort of offbeat job assignments unlimited tackles. Anyway, Chief, if we don't know now, we'll soon find out. An hour's time, did you say? You heard it as well as I did. Oh, dear. You're still smarting over our eavesdropping. Uh, put the coffee on, Penny. I've an hour to wait. Right away, Mr. Bray. No, don't, don't, don't. don't get hot under the collar, Chief. Excuse me, Mr. Mason. Inspector Bottomley to see you. Bottomley? Oh, well, send him in, will you, Penny? I won't keep you long, Aubrey. You too. I don't know why we don't conduct our operations in the main street. Good morning, Inspector. How's the special branch? Not so special, Marmy, as usual. Hello, Timothy. Have a chair. Uh, thanks, Aubrey. And what brings Scotland Yard here at this early hour? One of your clients. Oh? She's been under observation by men in my division. They phone in her movements every hour. And when I received a message that you'd come here, well, I thought I'd pop over and find out what she'd come here for. Theresa Mandon? Yes. Oh, well, that adds up. Just before you came in, I was saying to Marmy that her story didn't ring true. I wonder what she was up to. Her story is that she's about to take part in an aerial balloon race. She needs a companion. All her friends and acquaintances being chicken, she came here. I gave a job to Marmy. He'll be very interested to learn that it's a police case. No, no, don't run ahead of yourself, Aubrey. She's only under observation. Only? Well, it's surely extraordinary to be under observation by the special branch. Care to tell me what gives? You know I can't, Aubrey. But surely you've heard of her mother. Well, she said she was a doctor of science. Of course. Dr. Mandon, the Hartwell Commission. I didn't connect the two. Don't tell me she's about to defect to the Ruskies. Not as far as we know. Dr. Mandon is, to all intents and purposes, true blue British to the backbone. As a matter of fact, the immediate flap concerns a young man from the town of Bishop Stortford. He's gone missing. Now, there may be no connection, of course, but the Commissioner decided to keep all his acquaintances under observation. Well, who is this missing man, a, a VIP? I don't know, Aubrey. Which means you won't say. Well, what should we do? Call the whole thing up? Good heavens, no. Carry on as usual. But if the girl's story is phony... Why should it be phony? Well, all that guff about a balloon race. Yeah, that's true, at least. In fact, for all I know, her entire story may be true. It's probably completely innocent. Well, it's a relief to know that the race is genuine... The money can't come to much harm surrounded by competitors. They don't run aerial balloon races like that, Aubrey. Each person has a different goal to aim at. It's decided on time and distance in relation to the knot speed of prevailing winds. Which sounds terribly complicated. Just the thing for Marmy, right up his street. Well, that's about it, Aubrey. Keep in touch, won't you? I mean, if anything, uh, well, out of the ordinary should happen. I'll do that, Timothy. Ah, you're going already, Inspector? You know perfectly well I am, since you've heard every word on the intercom. <laughs> Goodbye, Aubrey. Bye. Well, what do you make of it now? Well, there's dirty work at the crossroads, all right. An aerial race in a balloon. A missing spy. Spy? Oh, come off it, Marmy. I mean, he's anything but a nice, respectable young man who's nipped off to the south of France for a long weekend with a blonde. Oh, nice young men don't do that for a start. And I think the coincidence is too great for it to be a coincidence. I'm taking a walkie-talkie with me. When I go up in that balloon, I want you to trail me. Bottomly, too, if he likes. 
trail you? What, in a helicopter? In a car. Oh, that's ridiculous. We'd never keep up with you. When Bismarck ordered the siege of Paris, the incarcerated Frenchmen sent out all their mail via aerial balloons. The German cavalry would chase them for miles across country, hoping that one might fall to earth. Now, if a man on horseback can keep up with a balloon, surely you can in a car. A car doesn't go across country like a horse. Then follow me on horseback. Well, I think I prefer British horsepower under a bonnet. It'll mean dodging around country lanes. I only hope Inspector Bottom is a good map reader. Mr. Ray's abandon is back, sir. Oh. Oh, all right, Penny, I won't be a minute. Oh, and switch off the intercom, will you? Oh, yes, sir. Can you pick up the equipment you need before you go? Yes, of course. I've got a walkie-talkie in my flat. I put new batteries in only a few days ago. If I'm going to Bishop Stortford with Miss Teresa Mandon, she'll have to take me first to my flat to pack. All right. And don't forget I had to telephone you at home to get you. And no mention of Inspector Bottomley's visit. Do you think I'm mad? Okay, go on. Show her in. Show Miss Mandon in now, will you, Penny? Yes, sir. It's your show now. Honey, leave it to me, Chief. Note, don't you? Oh, yes. Thank you very much. Great jumping. Mommy, you talk to her. I want to look at something. Well, here I am, Mr. Mason, right on time. Yes, uh, Miss Mandon, uh, Mr. Bray. Oh, do do? how do you do? I'll leave you two together to get acquainted. There's a small matter that needs my attention, if you'll excuse me. Mr. Mason? Was that intercom on all the time, Penny? Intercom? Oh, yes. You, you did tell me to switch it off, didn't you? Well, it's switched off now, Mr. Mason. Listen to me. Was it switched on when Miss Mandon was here? When I was talking to Mommy? It looks like it, doesn't it? But I'm certain I did turn it off just before I went over to the filing cabinet. And if someone had switched it back on, you wouldn't have taken any notice since you're used to listening into my private conversations anyway. But, Chief, if I switched it off, who could have switched it on again? Who indeed? Miss Mandon. She, she'll know all about Mommy's plans and the fact that you don't trust her. Oh, crumbs. Well, if she has got anything to do with that man who's disappeared, it might be dangerous for Mommy. I mean, if they'd killed him, they might kill again. Killers do, don't they? Yes, Penny, they do. Killers killed twice. Mommy found it hard to believe that Teresa Mandon could have anything to do with the disappearance of the man from Bishop Storford. He found her company enchanting and had almost convinced himself that his assignment was nothing more than it appeared to be. He was interested in the details of the man, though, and pressed Teresa for details as she drove expertly along the Harford Road. The chief says that Bishop Stortford is one of the prettiest villages in England. Is that right? No, don't let the locals hear you say that. It's a town. Sorry. <laughs> Have you lived there long? Yes, all my life. Well, that's not very long. <laughs> Mr. Mason said you were the studious type, not given to flattery. I am the studious type. In my spare time, I appreciate figures. Oh, cost accountant? Uh, no, uh, beauty queen judge. <laughs> Tell me, is it true that there's a man gone missing from the town? Yes, quite true. Inspector Bottomley wouldn't lie, would he? Do you know Inspector Bottomley? I've heard of him. You may as well have all the information. The man was well known to my mother and me. His name was Grant Webster, and he could have been a scientist of some merit if he hadn't drunk so much. The trouble with Grant was that the moment he had a few drinks inside him, he'd revert to the primitive and behave like a beast. Who killed him then, and why? Killed him? Who said he was dead? Your description of him just then. It was all in the past tense, as though you knew he was dead. I always speak of Grant Webster in the past tense. 
He was... Well, he was an ex-fiancé of mine. Is an ex-fiancé? If he's still alive. Grant made many enemies and few friends. He could never keep a friend. Or a beautiful fiancé. <laughs> One thing about you, Marmy. When you're making words with a woman, you look like a wolf. The four-legged kind. <laughs> and I often behave like an ass. It must be my name. Bray. <laughs> I like you, Mommy. I like you very much. The feeling is mutual. <laughs> Still think I killed Grant Webster? If you did, I'm sure he deserved it. Then make sure you don't deserve it, Mommy. Tomorrow morning we'll be sailing over the countryside in a basket suspended from a balloon filled with helium gas. Just you and me, all alone. Have you ever been in a balloon before, Mommy? No, never. Oh, dear. And I hope you're not accident-prone. So many aerial balloonists have fatal accidents the first time up. See anything yet, Timothy? I've got the field glasses on the barn, but the balloon is behind it. If she's going to take off on time, she'd better get a move on and inflate the thing. Wait a bit, wait a bit. Ah, yes, it's there. Here, have a look. You can see the balloon mushrooming out over the roof of the barn. Oh, thanks. See it? Yes. How do they keep a thing like that in the ground? Uh, I'm no expert, old boy, but I believe they throw out an anchor, just like a ship. A bit primitive, isn't it? Sometimes it's not a bad thing to revert to the primitive. Excuse me. Well, uh, oh, where did you come from? Oh, did I startle you? I'm sorry. I wondered if you could help me. I'm looking for the residence of Professor Mandon. If you're settled for Dr. Mandon, her farm is that one just over there with the red barn. The one the balloon's just going up from. Thanks. Who's in the balloon, do you know? I believe the correct term is in the basket. And it's Dr. Mandon's daughter and, uh, a friend. My old friend? Very much so. Oh, thank you very much. I'll get on over there. I won't be in time to catch him, but I can wait. Well, who do you suppose that could be? A man in a city suit, on foot, and in the middle of the country. Looking for the famous Dr. Mandon, and he thinks she's a professor... Uh, must be a bailiff. Oh, I don't believe it. Any word from Marmy yet? No, not a sound. Not a peep out of him. I suppose that walkie-talkie is working. Oh, no doubt about it. He put new batteries in only a few days ago. Oh, there goes the balloon now. Look, drifting east. Oh, there's quite a strong wind, too. She's traveling right, fast. Start up, Aubrey. We'll have to look slippy if we're going to keep up with her. And him. I suppose Marmy is in that thing with her. Hello, Mommy. Hello, Mommy. Inspector Bottomley here. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Over. Nothing. Well, he may be having difficulty in using it, being so close to the girl in that basket. I must admit, it's not like Mommy. He can usually find a way. In any case, why shouldn't he use a radio set during the trip? What possible objection could Theresa Mandon have? If she's somehow connected with the disappearance of Grant Webster, she'll have every objection. Whatever her mission is, it's secret. And you can bet your boots you won't take kindly to Marmy broadcasting it. Oh, well, then let's go. The balloon's heading for the coast, so all we can do is to follow and hope. Keep calling him on the radio, Timothy. You never know. He might answer. Hello, Chief. Hello, Chief. Are you receiving me? Over. How do you like it, Mommy? You're as free as the wind up here. 
Mommy! Oh, it, it's great. Just great. We're going along in a great lick. We'll be over the coast in less than an hour. Hello, Chief. Hello, Chief. Can you hear me? Stop mumbling into that walkie-talkie. It won't do you any good. What did you say? I said stop nattering at that walkie-talkie. You're wasting your time. While you were asleep last night, I removed the batteries. You did what? You heard me. Check, if you like. Now, why would you take the batteries out of my radio set? Because I engaged you to accompany me on a private trip. I haven't the least intention of providing an interesting travelogue for Mr. Aubrey Mason and his friend, Inspector Bottomley. You know about that? I tripped the intercom switch in the outer office. I heard most of your conversation with Mr. Mason. <laughs> well, I'd be blown. You're quite a girl, aren't you? And don't get any funny ideas. <laughs> yes. It's a good gun, and I know how to use it. Would you mind telling me the real purpose of this trip? The avowed one. Just a race. And I need you. At least I need your physical strength. I watched you sluicing down with a bucket at the well this morning. You're very strong, aren't you, Mr. Bray? Deceptively so. Like I said, you're quite a girl. Oh, and you can put that toy away. It, uh, it won't do you any good. Oh, this is no toy, Mommy. It's a real gun with real bullets. A real gun, yes. But no bullets. I took them out when you weren't looking at breakfast this morning. <laughs> I like you, Mr. Bray. Now, what great physical feat must I perform to win your admiration? <laughs> to win the race only. Uh, that big sack there contains the main ballast. We jettison that the moment we arrive over the fens, and that's ooh, right now. Uh, you, you see a wide stretch of water or, or bog like the fens down there? It creates a downdraft. And unless we carry ballast that we can suddenly throw overboard to give us a lift, well, we might wind up ourselves in that bog. Oh, stand by. We're beginning to drop now. Uh, quickly, Mommy, grab that big ballast sack and throw it overboard. Uh, quick, quick, Mommy, now. Uh, right. I, I've got it. <coughs> there. Perfect. A bullseye right into the middle of the fence. Oh, I'm glad Mr. Mason gave me you, Mommy. You're as strong as an ox. Oh, nothing to it. Now, that sack didn't weigh more than the average man. Average man. Teresa, what was in that sack? Ballast. What sort of ballast? A dead body? What was in that sack, Teresa? If I said it was sand, you wouldn't believe me. So, why don't you go down there and find out? <laughs> it's easy. The sack landed slap in the middle of a swamp. Ten square miles of bog, mud, ooze, and quicksand. <laughs> Whatever the ballast was, Mommy, it's gone forever now. in the morning. I know. I too have years. Oh, the time has come, the walrus said. Good luck, Mommy, darling. Well, stay right there. All right. Now, this won't take more than five minutes. Oh, 
No. No. You're quite a guy, Mommy. Open up. Open up, I say. Break it in. Open it. All right, the game's up. I'm a police officer. Mommy. Do come in, gentlemen. I'd like you to meet a disciple of Karl Marx. <laughs> he has killing ways. <laughs> this killer did kill twice. Unfortunately, the second time, he's going to be his own victim. It wasn't merely a case of who done it, but who done it to whom. Over a drink in the study, Theresa Mandon explained. Grant Webster was a spy in the pay of Russia, but he decided to give it up when he thought that I might marry him. <laughs> that was his mistake. They don't let you give up. The man whom Marmy knocked unconscious was Grant Webster's appointed executioner. I was struggling with Grant, who was drunk, when the assassin arrived. He shot and killed Grant and left my mother and me with a dead body. We knew that when the killer reported back that there were witnesses to the murder, he would return and kill again. So we hit upon the plan to send Mother suddenly to Manchester and for me to have an escort. A very capable escort, too. Thank you, my dear. <laughs> the gun that man is carrying will match up with the bullet in Grant Webster's body. So, you have your killer, Inspector. I have indeed, Teresa. Thanks to you. And Marmy. Hey, wait a minute. What was in that sack I threw overboard from the balloon basket? Just ballast, Marmy. Just ballast. Inspector Bottomley had Grant Webster's body all the time. Then how did you get hold of me? Oh, sheer luck, darling. Sheer luck. <laughs> Come, Mommy. It's cold down here. <laughs> <laughs>